I'm so glad y'all are here this morning. Ladies, did we have fun? We had a good time, didn't we? Well, I just want y'all to know, first of all, it's cold out there. <laughs> Dear God, I was not ready for that this morning. You know, I'm from Dallas, and it's a little bit warmer there. But when I walked out to the car this morning, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did not know. Something happened overnight, huh? And you all, I think if it's this cold, it might as well snow. Because it's, I've been wanting to snow so bad while I'm here. I thought I felt one snow hit me when I got out of the car. <laughs> might have been rain, but anyway... I'm just happy to be with y'all, and you know, I told the ladies that I was praying this would be a divine appointment, that this is not an accident you're here, that God set you up to hear something from someone who sounds like they're five years old, I know, but God has a funny way of getting our attention, right? This lady in Florida said to me, you sound exactly like my daughter, and I said, really, is she here tonight? She said, no, she's four. I said, that's really cute, but anyway... (laughs) So, oh, and also, wasn't the band amazing? Aren't they awesome? You know, the the little guy with the guitar right here, wouldn't it be fun to take him home? And when you're feeling discouraged, you open up the closet door and he's jamming. (laughs) Oh, he's cute. So, yeah, we had a good time. I just love y'all, and I feel like you're my family with the funny accent. But I just, I love y'all so much. So, And I love Ken and Barbie with all my heart. Don't y'all? I think they are first class. I always tell them that. They are seriously first class. So you are extremely blessed to have them as your pastors. Okay, so real quick. um, I'm supposed to finish at like 10. Is that right? Just a little bit? Okay. Okay. So real quick, I want to teach you how successful people think. You ready? Okay, I'm going to go as fast as I can because we got a plane to catch, right? (laughs) So how successful people think. You know, J. Paul Getty made this statement. He said, you know, he was a billionaire. He said, there's only three keys to success. Number one, get up early. Number two, work hard. Number three, find oil. (laughs) But thankfully, there's a few other keys. So I'm going to share those this morning, okay? But, you know, I've heard people describe success like knowing the combination to a lot. It doesn't matter if you're 16 or 65, male or female, French or American. If you know the combination, the lock has to open, right? So I just want to share with you a few keys that the Lord has taught me to go from just being in a rut, nothing changing, no vision, no dreams for my life, no money in the bank, marriage about to divorce, to living my dreams, marriage restored, money in the bank. These are things that God has taught me over the past few years that I just want to share with you. You ready? Okay. Number one is successful people have a future mindset. They think about the future. Successful people think about the future. You know, they say the two greatest days in a person's life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. You know, I kind of like to think of it like this. Let's just imagine someone gives you a bunch of puzzle pieces. Let's just say it's 5,000 little puzzle pieces. And they say, here, put this together. And you don't have a clue what this is. But every single day, that's your job. Get up and put this puzzle together. And you don't know if this is the Eiffel Tower. You don't know if this is a giant cupcake. (laughs) You don't know if it's the Mall of America. You don't know what this is. But your job every day is to put this thing together. Well, after doing this for several months and years, You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get bored with life. You don't even want to get up in the morning because you don't even know what you're doing. 
But it's like as soon as somebody hands you the puzzle piece, the cover, the picture of it, it's like it all starts to make sense. Now you have a reason to get up in the morning because you're trying to create that. And this is my dog, Pepe La Joie. <laughs> Isn't he cute? He looks like a teddy bear, doesn't he? <laughs> Pepe La Joie, that's his name. So, but that's the thing. When you start to discover God's plan, the vision, the dreams, the goals he wants you to pursue, it's like it all starts to make sense and you have a reason to get up because you're creating this image. And, you know, as much as I love vision, vision boards, dream books, and setting goals, and I'll teach you a little bit real quick about that, I don't think that success is all about just checking off your goals. That's important because when you check off your goals, it actually builds your faith to go after another goal and another goal and really fulfilling God's plan. But I don't think that it's all about that. If that were the case, just achieving goals, then why would someone like Robin Williams, who achieved every goal he ever set for himself, to have his own sitcom, to appear in major movies, to win an Oscar, to have millions in the bank, to live in a mansion in Beverly Hills... He achieved every goal, but yet he committed suicide. So it's not just achieving goals that makes us successful, right? It's discovering what is it that God wants you to do. Now, some of you have heard this story, but I just want to share it with you real quick. And this is how I began to discover God's plan for my life. Well, I was coming out of the hardest time I'd ever been through in my life. You know, 2002, my marriage, we actually separated. We were that close to divorce. And like I said before, I had no vision, no dreams, no goals, no money in the bank. Rodney and I spent everything we earned. I mean, everything we earned literally went out the door. And I didn't have anybody come and tell me what to do. You know, I didn't have Tony Robbins and John Maxwell show up and give me a plan. And I was just walking one morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I had started some habits. One of them was to exercise every day because I was desperate for change. And so I started walking up and down my street 5 o'clock in the morning. It's pitch dark outside. I'm still filled with a lot of shame and guilt over just stupid things I've done in the past. I'm asking God to forgive me again for the same sin. And all of a sudden, I just had this moment, this vision from the Lord, which I have never had anything like that before or since then. Five o'clock, dark outside. And all of a sudden, I just saw myself standing at the foot of the cross. And when I looked up, I saw the feet of Jesus. This is all in a vision. And when I looked at his feet, the blood from his feet dropped and landed on the top of my head. And I heard the Lord say, I'm washing the memories away. All those memories that I kept replaying, he said, I'm washing them away. I saw the blood go down my heart and the Lord said, I'm the healer of the brokenhearted. Then I watched the blood go down to my feet, and I heard the Lord say, the residue of sin is gone from you. Now, I know, y'all know I'm a visual learner. I have a lot of props. I know the Lord knew I had to see this, because you can sing about the blood of Jesus your whole life, but I really had to see that God can give you a supernatural amnesia of the past, Or you stop reliving it, rehearsing it, reminding God about it, talking about it, replaying it. It can literally be gone from you. God can heal every broken place in your heart. And you don't even have to be reminded of that old person you used to be. Sin is gone from you. Well, all at the same time, I saw this big hand just reach down from heaven. And it was like the Lord handed me a clipboard. And it was a cute one. And he made this statement. He said, this is an assignment on your life. I have an assignment for you. 
Well, then I saw these keys, like the old-fashioned keys. And the Lord handed me some keys, and he said, these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven to help you fulfill your assignment. Everything you need to fulfill your assignment can be found with these keys. Well, since that day, my whole outlook of life has changed. I see every one of you with a clipboard with your name on it, and there's something God's expecting you to do during your time here on earth, and then it's over. In fact, my favorite scripture now is John 17, 4 from the Message Bible, and it says, I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. So God has an assignment for every single one of us, and we don't have time to waste, do we? You know, in fact, I heard John Bevere make this statement. He said, when judgment day comes, and it's going to come, when every single one of us stand before God and we give an account for our lives, he said, when that day comes and you stand before the Lord, he said, you're not going to be held accountable for what you did on earth. And I was like, what? <laughs> Hashtag confused. And he said, <laughs> he said, no, you're going to be held accountable for what you were called to do on earth. So God may say, I called you to write a book. Why didn't you write the book? And you say, well, the publisher turned me down. Well, why didn't you self-publish? I told you to write a book. I told you to get your real estate license. Why didn't you do it? Well, I failed the exam. Well, why didn't you take it again? Take it again. Take it again until you pass it. I told you to sell houses. I told you to start a business. Why didn't you do it? Well, the bank turned me down. Walt Disney was turned down by 301 banks before he built Disney World. Why didn't you go get another loan? I told you to, you know, whatever it is, God's going to say, I told you to do this. Why didn't you do it? So when I had that encounter with the Lord, that's what woke me up to say, stop procrastinating. Stop repeating next year what you did this year. Let's get moving. So I want to teach you real quick just a few things about setting goals and starting to go after your dreams. You know, one of the most important keys to success is to grab a pen, which, ladies, you know, it's going to be a Texas-sized pen because I'm from Dallas. Um, but grab a pen and some paper and write your dreams and goals. This right here is one of the number one skills to success. Grab a pen and paper and write your dreams and goals. Now, the reason I bring this gigantic pencil is to be a reminder to you that this is not just something cute. This is not just a little suggestion. This right here is practiced by the most successful people in the world. Jim Carrey, Tim Tebow, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Steve Harvey, Will Smith. <laughs> I could just go down the list. But it all came from God's word. He said in Habakkuk 2.2, 2, write the vision, make it plain on paper. If you would just do this right here before you go to bed tonight, I'm telling you, you will be amazed at what God will do in your life. Write your dreams and goals, right? So I want to challenge you to do that. And you might even say, well, that's great, but I don't even know where to start. Well, this is the best time of the year for you to get serious about planning for next year. This, in fact, Tuesday of this week, I'll be meeting with my team at the office to do our strategic planning for 2019. This is the perfect time of the year for you to hear this message. You know, a best, the best way for me to describe it is a friend of mine, and I know I've, I've shared this with y'all before, but a friend of mine had the opportunity to go to Will Smith's house. You know the actor, Will Smith? He went to his house, and he said when he walked in, he had this gigantic glass wall with like 150 index cards all over the wall. And he asked him, he said, what is that? And Will Smith said, that's my next movie I'm working on. Because you know how he produces them and directs them too? So he said, those are my different scenes. He said, I just keep moving these cards around until I get it the way I want it. 
He said every good movie has ups and downs and good characters and bad characters and things like that. And my friend was looking at this, and he said, that looks so confusing. He said, how do you even know where to start? And Will Smith said, that's the easy part. He said, you always start with the final scene. You decide how you want it to end, and then you work towards it. Well, see, that's what you need to do right now. Think about 2019. Think about December 31st of 2019. Let's imagine it's New Year's Eve of next year, and you've got your party hat on. It's absolutely freezing in Minnesota, (laughs) right? And you turn to your friend, and you say, this has been the most amazing year of my life. What needs to happen for you to say that? That's deciding how you want it to end, and whatever it is, write it down. If that means we saved $5,000, write it down. We paid off our MasterCard $2,456.70. Then write that down. I'm driving my dream car. I got a promotion at work. We went on our dream vacation. I lost 20 pounds. What needs to happen for you to say this has been the best year of my life? So whatever it is, write it down. You got it? That was easy, right? Okay. But keep in mind, only 3% of Americans actually do this. But those who do are the most successful in the world. So let's join the 3%, okay? Okay. Number two, which I've been bragging on, y'all. I just want you to know, because I've been coming here for years, and I told Donna, who's never been with me until this trip, I said, be prepared. The Minnesota Eons, they... They get it. I said, they seriously get it. They understand the value of, you know, investing in yourself. Didn't I tell you that? Okay, so number two. So I guess I could just stop right here and go home because y'all already know this. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep going. But number two is successful people think about their habits. Successful people think about their habits. I told the ladies that Tony Robbins, I know most of you have probably heard of him, he attributes the majority of his success to his morning habits. He calls it the hour of power. And he said, I have taught this to celebrities, CEOs, Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes. He said, when you change your morning habits, you will literally change your entire life. And I speak from experience. Most of the ladies, most of them got the book this weekend. I just came out with this book called The Five Things Successful People Do Before 8 a.m., Because when I started making myself do this, and it doesn't have to be before 8 o'clock. It can be whenever. But when I started making myself change my morning routine, it absolutely changed my entire life. Well, um, I was listening to John Maxwell, and he said that years ago he agreed. He was speaking at this conference, and he agreed to do a Q&A at the end. Well, there was this young guy there who just graduated with an MBA, and he's just admiring everything about the conference. I mean, think about it. There were 2,000 people in attendance who paid $2,000 each. 2,000 people who paid $2,000 each. I'm going to grab my pocket calculator and do the math, okay? (laughs) 2,000 times 2,000. Carry my two. No. Okay. $4 million in one weekend. John Maxwell. So this kid is watching this, and he said to John Maxwell, he said, "Um, I want to do what you do. Maxwell said, what do you think I do? He said, well, you speak at all these conferences, you impact lives, you write best-selling books. He said, I want to do what you do. And John Maxwell said, young man, it's not a matter of doing what I do. He said, do you want to do what I did so you can do what I do? See, you can't have a million-dollar dream with minimum wage habits. You can't have a million-dollar dream with minimum wage habits. 
Well, in 2002, when I, as I told you before, when I'm going through this hard time, my husband, you know, I kind of kicked him out. He's living with his mom. I'm separated. I have no money. I'm miserable. I'm filled with shame. Like I said, I didn't have a success coach come to the house. I didn't, I'd never heard of a book that says there's five things you can do every day that will change your life. I just literally got out a piece of paper and I wrote five things I was going to make myself do every day for 21 days. That was it. 21 days was my big goal. And I actually grabbed a calendar. My calendar became my best friend because I was so eager every day to make sure I did these five and check it off. Well, at the end of 21 days, I thought, I'm going to go for 30. Well, at the end of 30, I thought, I'm going to go for two months. Well, then it went to three months. That was in 2002, and I haven't stopped. This morning, I woke up in Rochester, Minnesota, and I did the five things. Well, I also heard Maxwell make this statement. He said, if I could come to your house and watch you for 24 hours, I could tell whether or not you're going to be a success or a failure. I thought, dear God, how? (laughs) He said, just you pick the day, but let me just watch you from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. He said, just by observing you in one full day, I can tell in what direction your life is going to go. Then he said this, the secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. The secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. Well, I started doing these things, and the five things real quick were, number one, I said, I'm going to make myself pray. Because obviously we know as believers we need to pray. But they say the average pastor spends three minutes a day praying. So how much more us who aren't pastors, right? So I said, I'm going to make myself pray. Whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes, I know I've got to spend time with God. The second thing was I said, I'm going to make myself read. Like I literally hated reading books. And I told my, you know, when I graduated from college, I had my cap and gown on, had the party with my family, and I made this announcement. I said, I will never study again. The dumbest thing I ever said, but I backed up my dumb promise for 11 years of my life. I never read another book, and my life proved it. I didn't grow, and nothing around me grew. So I said, okay, if leaders are readers and you have to learn more to earn more, I'm going to make myself read. So I got a book. I set the alarm on my phone and said, I'm going to read for 20 minutes a day. The uh, the third thing I said I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself listen to one message by audio every day. And I had to think, well, when can I seriously do this and keep my promise? I thought, well, I could do it in the morning while I'm getting ready. I got to get ready anyway. Takes a long time to look like this. So I said, I might as well push play. So I got a CD player. I got some CDs. The first morning I went in there and saw my little note on the mirror that said push play. And I pushed the button. And I'm adding mascara. And I wear a lot of mascara. So you can imagine how long it takes. (laughs) But I had no idea. Every time I push play... Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Imagine doing this for 21 days straight. Do you think your faith would be stronger? Okay, imagine 16 years of pushing play. Your faith is going to be stronger, right? So I started this habit. The fourth habit was, as I began to discover that only 3% of Americans write their dreams and goals, but they're the most successful in the world, I'm going to start writing my goals. So I started writing my goals of paying off the MasterCard, getting my house cleaned up, getting my car cleaned up. I just started writing goals, and every single one of them started happening. And my goals began to grow from 
pay off the MasterCard to pay off the car, from read a book to write a book, from visit Paris, France to impact the nation of France. My goals began to grow as I began to grow. And then the fifth habit was exercise. I said, I'm going to stop looking at the one hour I don't have. I'm going to look at the 20 minutes I do have, and I'm going to go for a walk up and down my street. Well, as I began to do that, little by little, they began to compound. You know, I tell people that just those five habits took me from ghostwriting books for other people, which I did for years. I wrote 25 books for other people. I went from ghostwriting books to authoring books. I went from attending conferences to speaking at conferences. I went from watching TV for hours after work to hosting a TV show. What happened? All I did was change five little habits in my life, and it changed everything. In fact, have most of you heard of the magic penny? Some of you have heard this. I just happen to have a giant penny. <laughs> have you all heard of the magic penny? I don't know. Some of you read Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect. Well, he talks about if you had the opportunity right now to be given the choice of $3 million or one penny, just one penny that doubles every day for 31 days, which would you choose? Which we all know. Because some of you are cheaters. You've read the compound effect. No. But, you know, you would think $3 million or a penny that doubles every day for 31 days. Let's just say your friend chooses $3 million and you choose the penny. On day five, your friend has $3 million. You have $5.12. On day 20, like you're two-thirds of the way into this thing, your friend has $3 million. You have $5,000. And they're looking at you like, sucker, right? <laughs> it looks like you picked the wrong thing. On day 29, you have $2.9 million and your friend has $3 million. They're still ahead of you. There's only two days left. On day 30, you pull ahead with $5.8 million to their $3 million. And on day 31, you blow them out of the water with $10.7 million to their $3 million. Just a single penny that doubles every day for 31 days. And the reason I'm telling you this is it's the same with your habits. Things that look so insignificant, but you do them day after day after day after day. They say success is the sum of small habits repeated day in and day out, day in and day out. I mean, think about this. Just my little habit of going, I'm going to spend five minutes with the Lord. Just five minutes. I'm going to go in a room by myself. I'm going to journal what I'm grateful for. I'm just going to do that for five minutes a day. That looks like nothing. Like, what's the point? Five minutes is better than no minutes. Five minutes over the course of a month is two and a half hours of spending time with God. Just reading a book 10 pages a day. Do you know what 10 pages is? And people might go, that's ridiculous. It's not going to change your life. 10 pages a day is 15 books a year. Isn't that crazy? Or just walking, going for a walk if you can bear the weather. Go for a walk in your neighborhood. 20 minutes a day is 10 hours a month. You're going to feel better after 10 hours a month, aren't you? So all I'm saying is successful people have successful habits. In fact, I heard someone say this one time. The definition of poor, P-O-O-R, is passing over opportunities repeatedly. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. And you might say, Terry, that's just it. I haven't had any opportunities. Yeah, we do every morning to wake up and invest in yourself. So don't pass over the opportunity, and I'm telling you, it's going to compound. You ready for the third one? These will be quick. Y'all doing okay? 
I saw a couple of yawns, just making sure you're okay. All right. So the third one is successful people think generously. They think generously. You know, I know my dad has preached here several times, hasn't he? You can't grow up in my, my family and not understand the concept of giving. When my parents first started learning about the word of faith, they were so broke. They say they were driving a car with over 100,000 miles on it, living in a house that was just about to be condemned, and they started learning about giving. And you think, what do they even have to give? But my parents learned this concept. They said, you may not have what you need, but you're never without the seed that will produce it. So I watched my parents literally give ourselves out of poverty. And mom and dad have that so ingrained in me that when you're experiencing your greatest need, so your greatest seed. So I, I did that with everything. Like when I wanted to write books, I thought, okay, may not have what you need, but you're never without the seed that will produce it. So I sowed seed into someone's books who changed my life. I said, I want that anointing on my books. When I wanted to start my women's conference, I sowed seed into Joyce Meyer because I said, she already has a successful women's conference. I want that anointing on my life. Now we have a successful women's conference. When I wanted to get pregnant and I couldn't get pregnant and I'd already lost a baby, I sowed seed into every pregnant woman I could find because they had what I was believing for. And then God gave me the desires of my heart. So see, you may not have what you need, but you're never without the seed that will produce it. But every dream I have ever seen come to pass in my life, I've sown a seed for it. Give a financial gift. And the only way I know how to describe that is practically, like a farmer. Do we have any farmers here? Because when I flew over, I saw a lot of land <laughs> that's farmed. Okay, we have one here. You think about this. If a farmer wants squash, he could do everything I just shared today. He could think about the future. He could imagine a field full of squash. He could even write the dream, put it down. He could develop some success habits in his life. But how many of you know he's never going to have squash until he sows the seed, right? It's the same with your dreams and goals. When you get a dream, you get a vision to get out of debt, to get your body in shape, to start a business, to get promoted, to pay off your car. Whatever the dream is, sow a seed for it. And here's what you can count on. God says in his word, you can see this throughout the word, that you're going to reap what you sow. You sow squash, you're going to reap squash. You're going to reap after you sow, not before, and you reap more than you sow. That's a good promise, isn't it? What you sow, after you sow, and more than you sow. You know, I heard this story about this man who, he, um, he thought success was all about having money and having things. So he said he went after, you know, cars, houses, and airplanes, and he still wasn't happy. So he thought, well, maybe I need better stuff. So he went after better cars, better houses, and better airplanes. He still wasn't happy. He thought, maybe I got the wrong stuff. Maybe I need to buy a professional football team. So he bought the Seattle Seahawks. Should have bought the Dallas Cowboys because he still wasn't happy. <laughs> so he was still miserable inside, just felt like something was missing. Well, this friend of his took him on a mission trip. He said, I want you to go with me to Bosnia and Croatia, and we're going to give wheelchairs to kids who have lost their legs in landmines and stuff. So he flew over there, and they're giving all these little wheelchairs to these kids, and they're putting kids in wheelchairs one after another. Well, all of a sudden, this one little boy, 11 years old, grabs this very wealthy man's leg and would not let go of him. Tears are pouring down his face, and he said through an interpreter, he said, please don't leave me yet. And the wealthy man's looking at this little boy, and he said, why? And the little boy said, I want to memorize your face. 
He said, when we get to heaven, I want to say thank you one more time. The wealthy man said, for the first time in my life, I felt pure joy. He said, joy comes from giving. When you give, that's when you feel the best. Yes, it blesses other people, but that's when you feel like a million bucks, when you're able to make a difference in someone else's life. So I'm telling you, successful people are generous. You got it? You ready for the last one? Okay, number four is successful people think fearlessly. Think fearlessly. You know, I saw where or some, someone pointed this out, that in the Bible, it actually says, fear not 365 times. That's one for every day of the year that you wake up, God's saying, fear not. There's nothing to fear. It's going to be all right. Now, the reason I say that is because you've got, the reason successful people are fearless is because they believe Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. That means no matter what you're going through, God's going to work it out for your good. You know, it's kind of like when you get on an airplane, which I'll be on a plane later today. I'll actually be on two planes today. (laughs) Got to connect in Chicago. But anyway, (laughs) you think about when you get on a plane, they always tell you to fasten your seatbelt, right? Because you will experience some turbulence before you reach a comfortable altitude. Well, when you're going after your dreams, you're going after your goals, you will experience some turbulence. There will be things. You know, things happen we didn't count on. You know, a divorce, lost a baby, diagnosed with something, lost a job, got betrayed, got your heart broken, lost some money. Things happen to all of us. But if you really believe Romans 8, 28, God's going to work it all out to the good of those who love him. It's going to be okay. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, Joshua 1, 9 says, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you, right? You don't have to be afraid. And the way I like to think of it is like this. Let's imagine today you go to a movie, and it's an adventure movie. And before your movie starts, you go sneak in the last 10 minutes of the movie, and you see the end. You see how the whole thing ends. But then you stay there, and you wait for the new movie to start, and you watch it from the beginning. Well, now you're not concerned, you're not afraid, you're not on the edge of your seat, you're actually looking at the set, looking at their clothes, trying to think of other movies you've seen them in. Why? Because you know how the plot unfolds, right? You know how it's all going to work out, so you're not concerned. That's the way you need to be about your life today. God said he works all things together for your good. So he's saying, fear not, there's nothing to fear. In fact, I want to close this out. But just doing a little something with you real quick. I want to just ask you, if you can answer yes to any of these questions, I want you to stand up. Only if you can answer yes to any of these questions. Has God ever, ever performed a financial breakthrough in your life? You didn't have the money, you prayed, and somehow God made a way financially stand up. Wow. Okay, another question. Has God ever healed your body, whether it was a headache or cancer, but you prayed and somehow God healed your body? Stand up. My goodness. Okay, has God ever given you a desire of your heart? It wasn't even a big life or death thing, but you just had a desire, you prayed about it, and God gave it to you? Stand up. Okay, what about favor? Have any of you ever experienced favor and you know you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, but it was the favor of God? Stand up. 
Last question. Has God ever answered one of your prayers? Just one of them. You prayed, and somehow God answered your prayer. Okay, I just want you to look around the room today. Everybody just take a look. Doesn't it look like the majority is standing? I want you to remember this moment right here. Because the majority is standing. I'm going to say it's at least 95, 96% are standing. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about those who aren't standing. It just means this is going to give you faith that if God can answer our prayers, there's hope for everybody. So remember this moment right here. No matter what you go through this week, no matter what you go through throughout the end of the year, God is still on the throne and he's still saying, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to turn it around for your favor. Amen? Do y'all receive that today? I just love y'all so much. Can I just pray over you before we go? Okay, let's lift our hands. Remember, that's the universal sign of surrender. When the police arrest somebody, that's what we do. (laughs) Okay, let's lift our hands and just torment the devil that we are surrendering everything to the Lord, okay? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I love you and I praise you. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Lord, you know I prayed in my hotel room this morning that the right people would be here. Lord, I believe you're stirring things up in them. Even things they didn't think were that important, you're stirring it up in them. And Lord, I believe you're going to give them discipline like they've never known before. Father, your word says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, you're doing a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Father, I pray that today, October 28th, is a new thing in their life, a day that they're making a decision for some new habits, new disciplines to start investing in themselves first thing in the morning. And Lord, I declare that discipline you gave me, you're going to give it to them. And they will not be where they are today, next year at this time. Father, we thank you ahead of time. We know the highest expression of faith is praise and thanksgiving. So Lord, we thank you right now for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.